Welcome to Sure Foundation Lutheran Church's podcast channel. The following sermon was preached on October 15th, 2023 on the basis of Matthew chapter 9, verses 9 to 13. sermon text is on the gospel today from Matthew chapter 9. As Jesus went from there, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at the tax collector's booth. Follow me, he told him, and Matthew got up and followed him. While Jesus was having dinner at Matthew's house, many tax collectors and sinners came and ate with him and his disciples. When the Pharisees saw this, they asked his disciples, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? On hearing this, Jesus said, It is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. But go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. For I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. This is the gospel of our Lord. Join me in a a quick prayer here. Dear Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. I can't imagine Matthew was too popular of a guy. Um, his, in terms of his profession, he was one of the most hated, in one of the most hated professions of that day. It's, it's really hard to come up with what the equivalent would be for our, our society today. I, I know no one likes to get a letter from the IRS, um, but the IRS and the tax collectors of the Roman government, not even comparable. The tax collectors of, of the Roman government, government were often seen as traitors and thieves, and there were some good reasons why they were known for that. They had somehow, some way, kind of earned that, that title. They were seen as, as traitors, especially the, the Jewish uh, tax collectors, because by and large, the Jewish people didn't like the Roman rule. They, they, the Jewish people wanted things to go back to the, the way it was at the time of King David, the, the time of King Solomon, when... when Israel had a nation, and, and they were in control of that, of that area at that time. And they saw the Romans as being directly in the way of that. So if you were a Jewish person working for the Roman government, eh, that was no good. They were also seen as thieves, and, and the way that the Roman tax system was set up didn't really help that perception a whole lot. Because how, how it would work would be Matthew, as a tax collector, would work with the Roman government, and he would put out a, a bid for what he thinks he could get uh, for, for taxes from a, a specific area. And once the Roman government would agree on that, he and his fellow tax collectors would go and they would, they would collect taxes from the people. Uh, but what they soon figured out, what uh, many of those tax collectors figured out is, if we could collect a little bit more, the, the excess that we were able to collect, that's pure profit for us. We can line our pockets with it. And the people who were charged these taxes could do little about it. They just had to pay. So I think it's a little surprising, knowing what we know about tax collectors and how they were perceived, that Matthew wants to be known that way. He wants to be known as a tax collector. He includes this section in his own gospel. His gospel that he is writing for for generations after him to read, he includes this section that includes the detail that he was sitting at a tax collector's booth. And even more than that, in the next chapter, Matthew 10, Matthew is listing the disciples out, and he just lists most of them by by name. He doesn't put their profession next to them. But next to his name, 
He writes, Matthew, the tax collector. Generations after him would know Matthew as the tax collector. It's kind of interesting. So I imagine it was kind of a day like any other day for Matthew as he went to his tax collector's booth, but there also had to be kind of a hum or a buzz around town because this guy named Jesus was there. You you caught at the beginning of the text, it said, as Jesus went from there, where's the there? Okay, Jesus is in in, in this town and he's at this house and he's teaching people there and the house is filled to the brim even outside the doors is crowded. People can't get in there, right? Uh, this is the, the story where, where these people bring this paralyzed man to Jesus, but they can't bring him in through the door because it's so crowded. So they go up to the, the roof, they make a hole in the roof, and they lower this paralyzed man down in front of Jesus. Jesus forgives the man's sins, and then he, raises, or he, he gives him the use of his legs back. Uh, an amazing miracle. So there has to be a hum, a buzz around town as Jesus leaves that house and he walks towards Matthew's tax collector booth. In fact, there's probably a crowd following Jesus, seeing what he's going to do next. And Jesus walks up to the tax collector's booth, looks at Matthew, and he says, follow me. Now, what did Matthew know about Jesus before this? I think we can assume that he maybe knew a little bit about Jesus before this, but that's not altogether clear. But think about what's going through Matthew's mind. If you were in Matthew's shoes, what would be going through your mind? Me? <laughs> really? Jesus, you know who I am? I mean, you came up to my tax collector's booth. I assume you know I'm a tax collector. You know what people think of me, right? People hate me. And honestly, sometimes I kind of get it. I understand why people hate me. Why would you want me to follow you? Why would you even want to be associated with me? It's kind of conceivable to think that those might be some of Matthew's thoughts, right? And we could probably understand why, especially when people have been telling Matthew that for a long time, and not just people, any people, but the Jewish religious leaders of the day. We're always pointing out that the tax collectors were the, the lowlifes of society. Whenever they, they mentioned tax collectors, in the same breath they included sinners, right? Tax collectors and sinners, those, those people are, are lumped into one group here. They, they were constantly being told that they did not measure up to the standard and their righteousness was a far cry from that of the Pharisees. Why would anybody want to associate with them, let alone call them to be a disciple? Matthew and and others like Matthew had been beaten down again and again and again by the religion of the day, by the religion of the the Pharisees, a religion rooted in the law and built on behavior where your standing before God was purely determined on how well or how poorly you, you kept the law. And here's the thing, when someone lives under that law, lives under that sort of religion for a long time, they have a hard time conceiving of people that would actually want to be around them or get to know them. Why would they want them as a disciple? But the Matthew that, or the Jesus that Matthew would come to know was the Son of God who did not operate like, like the Pharisees said, like the Pharisees did. 
the Jesus that Matthew would come to know didn't come to round up the quote-unquote good people and give them a pat on the back. Uh, He didn't tell the Pharisees, you're doing such a great job here. Uh, What he did do is he he wanted to know Matthew. He wanted to call Matthew. He, He wanted to know people like Matthew. He wanted to spend time with Matthew because the Jesus that Matthew would become acquainted with came to save sinners from their sins. Because that law that we live under, it does crush us, and it crushes us because we don't measure up to it. So if, if the religion of the day is built on the law and, and rooted in behavior, uh, then you're going to be crushed underneath it because you're going to be told that again and again, you, you don't measure up. You're, you're not, you don't meet that standard. But what Jesus came to do, Jesus came to live under that same law. But he came to live under it on our behalf and keep it perfectly so that he could offer his life as a sacrifice on the cross and and he could make this exchange, this awesome exchange on the cross where he would give to us his righteousness and we would give to him our sins. It's, It's a pretty cool trade. We get righteousness, he gets our sins. What Matthew would come to learn is that righteousness didn't come from inside of him like the, the Pharisees all said it, what it did. But righteousness came from outside of him. It came from Jesus. And, and that's just too good. That's just too good. You, you couldn't blame Matthew if he wanted to sit down and write his gospel out right then and there. Because this Jesus guy has come and, and changed everything for him. Okay, he didn't, he didn't write his gospel till a little bit later. But you know what he did do right away? He invited Jesus over to his house. He was so thankful, so thankful that Jesus would want him, out of all people, that Jesus would want him to come and follow him. He was so thankful that he invited Jesus over to his house because he wanted to do something nice for Jesus. And he was so excited that that Jesus wanted him to follow him. And and he was so excited uh, about Jesus and this message that Jesus came to bring that he wanted his friends to hear about it too. Uh, The gospel, this gospel of grace is already producing fruit In Matthew's heart, the fruit of hospitality, the fruit of evangelism. And no doubt, it would produce a lot more fruit in Matthew's life throughout his his life. But I want to focus on just one one of those fruits of faith in in particular for the rest of this, this sermon. So Matthew came to know grace, maybe for the first well, for the first time. Uh, This gospel of what Jesus came to do uh, for him which wasn't something that he naturally knew before that, which is why he was kind of beaten down by, by the religion of the day. It's not something that comes naturally to anybody, actually. And the Pharisees are, are really good um, examples of that. Because as Jesus goes to Matthew's house to, to dine with the, the tax collectors and the sinners, with Matthew's friends, they, they look with scorn on that. They're offended by the fact that, that Jesus would, would even associate with these people, let alone go and, and eat with them, because they're still operating on a religion that is rooted in the law and built on behavior. They don't understand God's grace at all. Because of this, the Pharisees wanted to remember what God would forget. I say that one more time. 
the Pharisees wanted to remember what God would forget. What the Pharisees wanted to remember about these people is that these were tax collectors. These were guys that had cheated out of lots of money. These were sinners. They were adulterers. They were convicts. They were lowlifes. They, they had made a mess of their, their lives. They wanted to remember what God would forget. God wouldn't look at the tax collectors and the sinners that way. He would look at the tax collectors and sinners as souls that he sent his son to win. And if they believed, if they believed in Jesus as their Savior, they would, they would wash their garments in the blood of the Lamb. They would be clean. If they believed in Jesus as their Savior, they would wear his righteousness so that when God looked at them, they didn't, he didn't see a tax collector or a sinner. He saw righteousness, Christ's righteousness covering over them. Anyone who, would, who believes would receive this, this righteousness and would be forgiven. And when God forgives, he makes us a promise that, that when he forgives, he remembers our sins no more. Now, God doesn't have a lapsing memory. He chooses to not remember those sins anymore, not, not hold your sins against you, it's an amazing promise. It's, it's comforting. And it's also something that we're not too good at doing. <laughs> we're not good at, at forgetting our sins or forgetting any, anybody else's sins too. It, we, we might receive the forgiveness of, of Jesus, but that, that guilt may come back again. It could be a year or five years or ten years. You, you might still be troubled over sins that, that you committed in your youth. We're not good at, at forgetting what God has forgotten. But a fruit of that faith, a fruit of the the grace that God has given us is living in that grace. Is being able to live with the fact that I did those things or I said those things or I thought those things. But Jesus covers over that with his righteousness. The gospel teaches us how to do that. Some of you might recognize the name um, Augustine. He, he was an a early church father um, that wrote a, lot, uh, wrote a lot about the Christian faith and about his, his personal faith, too. Um, he's, he's got some pretty good quotes, and I got one for us here today. Um, he, he has this different perspective about how he looks at his past sins. He says this, I intend to remind myself of my past foulness and carnal corruptions not because I love them, but so that I, I may love you, my God. It is, from you, it is from love of your love that I make the act of recollection. The recalling of my wicked ways is bitter in my memory, but I do it so that you may be sweet to me, a sweetness touched by no deception, a sweetness serene and content. Might we live that same way? When your memory conjures up things from the past and you start to feel that guilt all over again, might you see that as an opportunity to run back to the the gospel and to hear that Jesus did this for you, to hear it again? When the devil wants to remind you of things that God has forgotten and accuse you all over again, might you see that as an opportunity to, to be around his grace one more time? To, to hear the words of grace in the absolution or, or to hear the words of grace given to you by a fellow Christian. When somebody else wants to remind you of something that God has forgotten, 
might you see that as an opportunity to, and an encouragement to come and, and receive the Lord's Supper again and to hear the words for you and to taste what forgiveness tastes like on your, on your tongue one more time. I really think that that's what, that's what Matthew is doing. Matthew's sitting down and, and writing his gospel and he chooses to include this section. And he, inc- he chooses to own the title of tax collector. Matthew wasn't proud of being a tax collector. He wasn't proud of, of what he might have, have, have done as a tax collector. But, but that title, tax collector, for, for Matthew, was a reminder of God's grace for him. What God had called him from. He had called him out of that life. He had called him to be his disciple. He had forgiven even a tax collector, a sinner like him. And what Matthew wanted people to know is that's our God. That's what God wants for you. He wants you to, to, to know that grace and to live in that grace every day of your life. God grant it. Amen. Hey, Pastor Wilkie here. Thanks for listening to this week's sermon. Hey, could you do us a favor? Could you hit like or, or subscribe on wherever you're listening to this podcast? That really helps us get seen by more people so that more people might hear about Jesus and, and hear the same message that you're hearing. We hope you, you come back and, and enjoy a, another sermon next week. God bless.